sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome in to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 159, The Sports Grid Radio Network. I do three shows a week here on Sports Grid. I do a pair of Cover It with Teddy Covers, and I'm on with Gay Morenci on Thursday nights. A late night action with Morenci. And at least one of those three shows all summer long is going to be football central. Football centric. That's today's show. We're going to talk with Brad Powers at BradPower7 on Twitter. And Brad's going to talk about a little bit of college football, a little bit of NFL, a little bit of draft, some teams we want to be paying attention to right now here in May as these first lines get posted. So, yeah, we're going to get into it in depth today with Brad Powers. I'm really excited about that. I love talking football uh, in the spring and summer because markets aren't mature at that stage of the game. And there's really good opportunities for betters who are you know, looking to pay attention at this time of the year. And, of course, football is king, okay? Make no mistake about it. Football is, you know, when you talk about the full handle of what books uh, take <laughs> and what people bet, football stands at the top of the list. You know, NFL number one, college number two, and then it goes down to NBA and college basketball, and then it goes on to other other sports, whether it's baseball or hockey or golf or, you know, in the U.S. You know, on a global standpoint, there's a lot of soccer and a lot of tennis. Uh, but in the U.S. market, football is king. So what happens in May? The NFL schedule release comes out in May. And that is a huge deal. Obviously, I talked about the week one. NFL numbers on yesterday's show. Of course, if you miss uh, any show that I do, you want to go back and listen to the archives, just search for Cover It with Teddy Covers, any podcast outlet, and you'll be able to download and consume at your convenience. You can hear about what I said yesterday uh, on Cover It with Teddy Covers, talking about week one lines and the early schedule release. But today I want to talk about strength of schedule. Uh, when it comes to these NFL numbers. And frankly, <laughs> there's this is something that makes me crazy. All right, There's so much bad information out there about what strength of schedule actually means in the NFL. And mostly it's mainstream. The betters know. But when you're looking at mainstream data about schedules, in the NFL, because the NFL does not have a balanced schedule. Some teams play much tougher schedules. Some teams play much easier schedules. When you're seeing any of the mainstream stuff about the schedule release and the NFL schedules, all you're seeing is last year's records. Last year's records. Based on last year's records, so-and-so has the easiest schedule. So-and-so has the hardest schedule. Last year was last year. Okay? Last year's records are not an accurate predictor of what this year's records are going to be. So looking at those mainstream numbers for NFL strength of schedule, throw them out completely. There's only one thing that matters when it comes to how tough a team schedule is. 
And that's this year's season win total. That isn't, it's not going to be 100% accurate. Of course not. But it's a better assessment of how good teams are going to be this year in comparison to what they were last year. We know it every year in the NFL. All right, there's 14 playoff teams now. Half of them are going to be new playoff teams this year. Half of them uh, didn't make the playoff last year. At least, it might be eight. You know, the number's going to be between six and eight. I say half, uh, but it could easily be eight teams that made the playoffs last year that didn't aren't going to make them this year. And that means eight teams, seven or eight teams that didn't make the playoffs last year will make the playoffs this year. If you were looking last year at the start of the season at the Cincinnati Bengals schedule, and you had the Bengals on your schedule, if you were looking at the Bengals' previous season, Say, oh, Cincinnati's a joke. They can't beat anybody. If you're looking at Cincinnati's win total last year, like, oh, they're going to be better. <laughs> so it's a clear difference between people that bet and people that don't bet trying to make predictions about the upcoming NFL season. The people that don't bet are telling you, look at last year's. Look at last year's records. That's going to tell you who the toughest schedule is. The people that do bet are going to tell you, ignore last year. What you want to do is look at this year's schedule, this year's win totals, and be sure you factor in the juice with the win totals. This is another thing that I see the mainstream publications completely ignoring. They're like, yeah, so-and-so's win total is nine. Well, is it nine minus 160 to the over? Is it nine plus 130 to the over? There's a huge difference in how you grade those two teams. 50 cents worth of juice approximates to half a win in the NFL. So a nine at minus 160 is like a nine and a half at minus 110 when you're looking at betting the over. So something to be aware of when you're looking at the NFL strength of schedule issues. All right, so Brad Powers coming up after the break. And I'm telling you, with Brad, I'm going to talk him about NFL draft, good draft stories, day three sleepers. And, of course, we're going to talk college football, which teams got worse after the draft, which teams are moving in the right direction. We're going to talk some off-season coaching hires so much with Brad Powers. Stay tuned. Cover It with Teddy Covers continues after this brief commercial message. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 159, the SportsGrid Radio Network. And I always enjoy the time I get to spend with my next guest. I don't get to talk to him a lot. Uh, I was telling him uh, off air, last year at this time, we did a show with Brad Powers, at Brad Powers, and the number seven on Twitter, at Brad Powers 7. Last year, right at this time, we did a show with Brad. And boy, he gave us, like, the he gave us sleepers. He gave us coaches to pay attention to. He gave us some NFL thoughts. He gave us some college football thoughts. And I wanted to have him on again this year at the same time that we did last year. Get some post-draft thoughts 
from bad Brad Powers, a guy who spends a whole lot of attention to football in the springtime. And those are the guests I want. All right, I don't want someone that <laughs> coming on here that, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking at last year's stuff. Oh, we'll worry about this in August. The guys who are on this show in the spring have done their homework. Brad Powers, welcome to the program, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, Teddy. Hey, the pleasure is all mine. And I know you've done your homework. I know you did a ton uh, with the draft. And let's start a little bit. We'll have a little bit of NFL discussion, and then we'll get into the college ranks. But, I mean, the NFL is king. Um, I'll start with this. Any big surprises in the draft? Any truly dumb picks stand out to you? Well, I'll start with the quarterbacks. Now, I mean, I did end up betting the overs on Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. I thought they were priced ridiculous uh, at the start. I mean, you could have gotten, you know, like Malik Willis over under draft position 10.5. Kenny Pickett was like 12.5. So I bet the overs. But with that being said, I am surprised only one quarterback went in the first two rounds combined. I I thought, I mean, the over-under – for quarterbacks taken, I mean, was anywhere from two and a half to three and a half in the first round, let alone the first two rounds. So I wasn't surprised that they slid, but man, only one quarterback in two rounds. That that was relatively surprising to me, Teddy. Yeah, and uh, so let me ask you this. Out of the, I mean, the, 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 the reason the quarterbacks dropped as far as they did was because everybody looked at these quarterbacks and says not, not, not one of these guys is NFL ready. <laughs> You know, not one of these guys is going to lead their team to wins next year, and that means everybody's a project. So the teams that desperately needed a quarterback, with the exception of the Carolina Panthers, have all looked elsewhere. <laughs> so, um, in my mind, that's like the the bigger piece. Is there are any of these QBs any good, or any of these QBs going to going to end up being winning NFL starting quarterbacks? No, I don't think any of them are, uh, and that includes, yep. you know, Kenny Pickett. I mean, which is going to a winning franchise. So, I mean, obviously, he gets the the, the best case scenario. The fact, that, I mean, the Steelers, it doesn't matter who's coaching them. The last 40, 50 years, I mean, they tend to win. So, obviously, he's been put in the best position to win. But yeah, none of them are worth the dang. And I, I maybe I'll push back a little bit. I can say this a lot of years, especially about the quarterbacks that get taken late in the first round. Teams trade up and go get them. I mean, a lot of times I could say these guys are not worth it. They are not ready to be NFL starting quarterbacks. Why are you taking these guys in the first round? So maybe teams are smartening up a little bit, Teddy, that they're not reaching for the quarterback position. But I got a funny feeling for all the quarterbacks that didn't get taken early this year, next year we'll probably see a big-time run on quarterbacks when it comes to the draft. Oh, no doubt. There's, I mean, there's a bunch of uh... – Teams that are still QB needing, shall we say. So uh, the uh, desire to get the franchise QB with a top, uh, top draft choice is not going to change. Although I'm with you 100%. I went back uh, and did a study on all the, all the QBs drafted <laughs> for the last 20 years. And let's put it this way. The miss rate is much higher than the hit rate at any position except for number one overall. Any truly dumb picks stand out to you from the NFL draft? Any team you like could not believe what they did with their first rounder or if they didn't have many picks, they you know they reached for, for the, with a few picks that they had. Uh, anything stand out to you? Any team that had a really dumb draft or any pick that stands I out to you? I think it's the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, the, to, for me, it's the Patriots. And I know Bill, Bill Belichick's forgotten more about football than I'll ever know, but 
Doesn't mean that he's wowed uh, me or, or anybody really in the draft process the last several years. Uh, and I just, I, I certainly didn't see it. I mean, Cole Strange, the guard out of Chattanooga. I mean, I thought he'd go in the third round. The fact that he goes in the first round, and, and for you know people maybe listening, you know, what do I know? I'm not some GM. If I was so smart, I, I'd be working, you know, in a GM office in, in the NFL. I bet I made 68 bets on the NFL draft in the first round alone. And that was, I mean, I'll bet, I'm betting over under draft position, you name it. Went 41 and 17. So I do feel like I have at least a feel for the first round where, where players are going to go, what draft positions. And the fact that I couldn't get to a Cole Strange uh, betting prop, whether it was over under draft position or where he was going to go, whether he was going to go in the first round or not. The fact that he was on no board whatsoever at any sports book says to me that the New England Patriots reached and probably reached big time for a prospect in the first round. Sure. When you see the Rams coaching staff laugh out loud, that <laughs> had a Belichick draft choice. And again, I mean, New England gets the benefit of the doubt after what they've been able to do for the last 20 years. At the same time, we're in a playoff team last year. <laughs> you know, uh, they weren't, they were okay last year, but we have to wonder if that Patriots dynasty is going to continue at the same level. Look at the week one openers, Miami minus three at home against New England. It's not like the markets are looking at the Patriots as like, yeah, this team killed this past off season. And of course the NFL draft handle uh, is worth noting. Every report that I've heard here in Vegas, across the country, you talked about your success betting the NFL draft. Boy, every report I've heard is that the books took an absolute beating uh, on the draft. There was controversy in Colorado uh, where uh, Barstool didn't want to take bets from sharp guys anymore. Uh, I mean, there's uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, why are the books still booking the draft when they're losing money at it every year? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, instead of belly aching every year, just don't put anything up. And just say, hey, here's what I would respect. If one book came out, Teddy, and just said, hey, we are scared. We don't know what we're doing. Guys that bet this are smarter than we are. We're not putting anything up this year because we, we lose money. If one sports book director came out and said that, I would respect that. And, but, but you know, they play more games than not, Teddy. I mean, I, there's a couple, a lot of books here that I love here in Vegas. I respect more more than any books here in the state of Nevada. I mean, a lot of them didn't even have anything up on the draft until Monday of draft week. And even then, yeah, there we, were certain books that were po- posting them and then taking them down, posting them again. It was just, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, Vegas has made it, as a, or Nevada as a state has made it pretty clear the draft props are not what we're going to put our time and energy into. We can't beat them. Um, the books from around the country may not have learned that lesson yet. Maybe they'll learn it by next year. Uh, but the bottom line, while it lasts, the draft continues to be a nice payday for those who are paying attention. Congratulations on your excellent NFL draft results. Um, one, uh, I got a couple more questions to draft wise, but day three sleepers. Anyone stand out to you as like, wow, this team made a really good pick in the fourth round or the fifth round or the sixth round? A guy that's going to have an impact this year. Anyone stand out to you in that regard? Yeah, I like Isaiah Spiller. He's a running back out of Texas A&M. He went to the Chargers in the fourth round. I really think another weapon uh, there for Justin Herbert. Sorry, he got some receiving weapons. Get another guy out of the backfield who can catch the ball also out of the backfield. Really good player, Spiller. And I, I just think day three, the Ravens, 
continued to clean up. I mean, Falele, the 400-pound tackle out of Minnesota, Armour Davis, a cornerback, tight ends, Kolar, likely. They got a good running back prospect out of Missouri. The Ravens just killed it, not only in the first couple of days, but day three, they, they continued a really good draft tradition of having really good drafts like they've had for the last two decades. Yeah, and then Baltimore, another one of these teams, you know, you just don't see them in rebuilding mode, you know, um, like Pittsburgh uh, for the last two decades. The Ravens consistent in terms of their ability to be at or near the top of the AFC North standings. We've got much more coming with Brad Powers. I'm going to ask him, give me a team in the NFL that got better this offseason. Give me a team that got worse. And then we're going to shift our focus to college football. So stick around through the break. And it's a short break. You guys can hang. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There's nothing like being informed with all the odds, analysis, and best bets all day long. How do you get that? It's real simple. You follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV, at SportsGrid Radio, and you'll get all the odds, analysis, best bets all day long. You follow me on Twitter, at Teddy underscore covers, and of course, you can follow today's guest, Brad Powers, on Twitter, at Brad Powers 7. What's the 7 for, Brad? Uh, just a lucky number, and somebody had already taken uh, Brad Powers' Twitter handle when I joined <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Someone, uh, the, the way I got on Twitter was someone uh, uh, formed an account as Teddy Covers uh, and was impersonating me. And I started getting, uh, my buddies were like, hey, uh, I saw you on Twitter the other day. And I'm like, I've never tweeted in my life. So I got Teddy <laughs> underscore covers. <laughs> uh, and this worked out pretty well, over 50,000 followers. So I have no complaints in that department. Let's get into some, I, I, I want to finish up in the NFL here. Uh, because we were talking about some of the guys that stood out in terms of day three draft choices, draft handle, uh, dumb picks, good picks. I want to ask you this. Does the draft even matter for the NFL betting markets? The one thing I like about the draft is that it, 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 there's no cloaking an NFL team's intentions anymore. Post-draft, you have an idea. Is this team rebuilding? Is this team reloading? Is this team primed to succeed? Or are they primed to fail? And... It's kind of to say it, uh, it lets the cat out of the bag as to what a team's true intentions are. Does the draft matter from the betting marketplace standpoint? Because it sure feels like how people thought about teams going into the draft is how people think about teams coming out of the draft. Yeah, I would say overwhelmingly it doesn't really matter. Uh, outside of a few teams, a few except there's always exceptions to the rule. But with that being said, and I'm talking speaking on behalf of the guys that bet professionally, it really is a, a, a pretty much non-factor. That's not the case for the public. The public likes to overreact to what happened in the draft, uh, and, and they'll bet that draft all summer long. They'll bet free agency all summer long, and what I tend to 
see is teams that had really good drafts, really good off seasons. Not that they're expensive now in May because the public's not betting the NFL right now. But when it, August rolls around and they start getting involved, then those teams that had good or poor drafts start you start getting expensive. Whether you want to you know play on or against those types of uh, of teams, so that, that that would be my takeaway. But you know, Teddy, me personally, I, after the draft almost every year, I'm probably changing three, four teams' power ratings is all out of the 32 that uh, you react in the draft. I think you said it well when, when, you know, sometimes when a team drafts a quarterback pretty high that I didn't expect, that would be one where, hey, maybe this team is rebuilding, and I didn't necessarily think that was the case. That would be one uh, where, where I'm changing a team's power ratings. And the other would be, like, for instance, the Jets. I think by all intents and purposes got a bunch of early draft picks in the top 35, 36 picks. Got good value, all positions in need. I mean, you can make a case that they got three, four quality starters out of this draft. So certainly that would be a team that would move in my power ratings. Sure. The only problem with the Jets is that they started out, if they weren't dead last in your power ratings, they were pretty close. (laughs) So there's a lot of room for the Jets to go up. You know, and I'm with you on the Jets as being a team that absolutely got better. Um, But they're also a team that went into the offseason. I make a list of needs for every NFL team. And I think the Jets had the longest, the Jets and the Jags uh, had the longest lists. Uh, So both had good drafts, but both had extensive needs to fill. Um, Let me ask you this. Give me one. You talked about there's only a handful, you know, two or three or four teams that you changed your power rating numbers post-draft. Give me an NFL team that got better this offseason and give me one that got worse. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to continue with the Jets. I bet them over uh, five and a half wins after the draft. I mean, I liked what they got. Again, I, I liked all the four players that they got at the top of the draft in the first couple rounds. I think, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan uh, of their quarterback, Wilson, but they got him some weapons. And I like uh, Brees Hall. Even the running back they got in the second round can help them, and not, not only running but, but also receiving. So I did, and that was one that I reacted to coming out of the draft. It was I'm buying the Jets at least over five and a half wins. I still think – bottom five six team uh in the nfl but you're right teddy they were a bottom two team uh so a couple points in the power rating makes made that over five and a half season wins attractive to me uh on the other side what team got worse you know what i I mean i obviously like a team like the seahawks losing a russell wilson but you know matt ryan's not one of my, my my favorite quarterbacks but I, I think he's been a little underappreciated. I mean, I think he kept the Falcons kind of, you know, they've been inconsistent, but they, they've been treading water a little bit, seven, eight win type of a franchise. And I'm not sure that the average NFL fan is going to fully realize that the Falcons are right there with the Texans among the bottom two teams in the NFL. I mean, that's how much matt ryan meant to meant to this franchise over the last five six years and i'm not sure that the market or at least the average nfl fan fully fully understands that yeah i mean atlanta won five road games last year on their way to a seven and ten record but they're minus five games this year teddy (laughs) well i can say they're they're minus 146 point differential (laughs) for a seven and ten team the record was misleading, not the point differential. I'm with you uh, on the Falcons being legitimate bottom feeders this year. And, of course, you talk about the Jets over five and a half wins. That means the team can go 6-11 and and you can cash a winning bet. However, 
Jets win totals on the way up. Uh, is five and a half still out there, or are we still looking at six? Yeah, you're going to have to lay some juice now. I, I, I saw just before I came on here, minus 140. Yeah, so, and again, we talk about how much juice equates to a half a win. The standard formula, 50 cents worth of juice for a half win when you're talking about teams that are priced in the middle. When you're talking about the difference between five and a half versus six wins, and it's not priced in the middle, you know, in the middle being the teams that are priced, you know, eight wins, nine wins, even seven and ten. When you get teams on the margins, you know, the lower win totals and the higher win totals, every half win can be worth more than 50 cents, 60, 70 cents. Uh, the difference between five and a half wins and six for the Jets. So it certainly does pay to shop around for the best of the number. Let's shift our focus, but stay with the same concept. All right, we talked about teams getting better or worse in the NFL based on the draft. What about college? What college teams got worse because of draft losses? And these aren't the Ohio States and the Alabamas of the world that are going to reload. You know, it doesn't matter who they lost in the draft because the talent behind them is every bit as good. We just don't know them yet. But there are plenty of programs out there that don't reload at that same level. And when they suffer major losses, you know, Tulsa doesn't have a whole lot of first-round draft choices going on the offensive line, but they did this year. Does Tulsa fall back? Which teams got worse with draft losses? Give me a team or two that stands out to you. Brad Powers. Yeah, I think you got to start with Cincinnati. I mean, they, they had more draft picks than any group of five team in history. Nine. And it wasn't like nine seven, seventh round draft picks. I mean, they had five guys go in the first hundred picks of the draft. So, I mean, that was a team that, you know, on paper, I mean, a lot of people might have had issues having a group of five team in the college football playoff. But from a, believe it or not, from a talent aspect, that, that team deserved to be in the playoff when you have nine NFL draft picks. I mean, uh, the, the NFL spoke for it, the, the amount of talent that was on that you know, Cincinnati team. Now, I still think they're the best team in the American, but that gap, because of the draft losses, closed big time this year. Uh, Houston and a UCF certainly is much more game to knock off Cincinnati this year than the past couple of years. So it's interesting that you talk about uh, this Cincinnati squad because last year, at this time, everyone was talking about BYU as being bet against, bet against, and Cougars lost everybody. And if you bet against BYU early on in the season, you didn't make any money because everybody wanted to bet against them. And the markets were too hot. It feels like Cincinnati might be that same type of team this year where, look, I like Luke Fickle. I like him a lot. And when you talk about recruiting where Cincinnati was five years ago versus where they are now, the Bearcats capable of reloading? Could this team possibly be undervalued like BYU was last year just because every wise guy wants to fade them? Teddy, I think you're on to something, as usual. That's pretty – you're sharper than a marble, Teddy, <laughs> in this instance. But uh, I, I totally agree with you, and I'm already on top of it. I think the markets are uh, – you know, even though I just got done saying that Cincinnati is going to take a major step back, I would say the early markets that I've seen – are overreacting to their nine players. I mean, I'll give you an example. A bet that I made, Cincinnati's an eight-and-a-half-point underdog week one against Arkansas. 
That it's too big. I guess Arkansas deserves to be favored, but not more than a touchdown. So you're right. The recruiting's better than what the market's giving giving Cincinnati credit for. And and that's one of the. I'm almost surprised you bet that now because I would feel like that number can only go one way. They're not betting Cincinnati between now and kickoff, are they? Or do you think, hey, let's grab it no, while I'm getting more than a touchdown? I mean, I would make a monster bet that uh, that that line closes uh, six or less. Six or less. Good number, then, if you're taking plus uh, seven and a half in that contest. And, of course, the sharp, sharp as a marble, uh, that comes from a famous dead spin story uh, that threw uh, me and much of Las Vegas under the bus back in the day uh, where I was described as being sharp as a marble. And I've kept it on my Twitter handle ever since. I think it's a great uh, line, even though I didn't appreciate what the author did uh, in the article. I thought that was a pretty funny number. And to call me sharp as a marble, hey, knock yourself out. More with Brad Powers coming up next. Early thoughts on college football. Bet on, bet against teams. Stay tuned. Cover continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with today. Cover Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. We got extended time today with Brad Powers. We're talking football in May. You better believe it. Why? Because my guy's done his homework and he can give you good bets now that aren't going to be there a month from now or two months from now or three months from now. When Brad Powers tells me, whenever someone comes on the show with confidence, it's like, yeah, that line ain't going the way you think it's going to go. Uh, your ears got it for a cup, Brad. It's like, I'm like, why would you bet Cincinnati now at plus seven and a half? It's like, that line's not going to hold is why. Um, any other teams besides Cincinnati that stood out to you as being noticeably worse after the draft, uh, Brad, or is the Bearcats one that just uh, stood out? Yeah, I mean, for as well as they've done recruiting, I mean, it, because it was so historic, I mean, the defending national champs are taking a step back towards it. I mean, 15 guys drafted. I mean, they had backups drafted. That's how good they were, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Now, I still think they're a playoff contender. I still think they're better than any team in the SEC East, but my goodness, I mean, Georgia, 15 guys being drafted, more than any team in college football in the common draft era. There's no question that they lost a ton. A couple teams that I thought were clear underachievers, uh, obviously, last couple of years, LSU, 10 guys being drafted. I mean, they lost a lot of talent off of an underachieving outfit the last couple of years. There's a lot of roster turnover there for Brian Kelly in year one. And then, I mean, I find it fitting that LSU fires their coach after underperforming with so many draftable guys. And then James Franklin at Penn State with eight guys getting drafted, went 500 the last two years. He gets a 10-year, $85 million contract extension. So I'm not a big fan of James Franklin at Penn State. And the fact they lost eight guys to the draft, I I don't think they're, you know, making a – they're running to contend with Michigan or Ohio State in the East Division this year. I mean, uh, and and there was buzz that Franklin was going uh, was being recruited by other schools with openings. That's why uh, Penn State opened up the checkbook. Uh, and again, when you talk about one thing, James Franklin has done. He's brought talent into Happy Valley. Um, that wasn't yep. always the case in the last few years before he got there. Um, give me some early thoughts, some early bets 
You know, give me an early bet on team in college football, a team that you think uh, coming into the season is going to be underrated in the betting markets, a team that maybe underachieved last year, or the turnovers weren't right last year, or the injuries were bad last year, or a coach who now has his full system in place where it wasn't in place a year or two ago. Uh, give me an early bet on team or two in college football. You know what? I, I think it's a team being disrespected, and I think it's because uh, of a couple of new coaches and a lot of uh, people ex- the excitement about other programs in the conference. And I think people are forgetting about the defending Pac-12 champs, that being Utah. I mean, I'm stunned at how some of these early sports books are pricing this Utah team. Number one, I bet over eight and a half wins. I got Utah favored in at least 11 games this season. Uh, the, the question mark would be at Oregon, and even then I have Utah's slight favorite there. They lost a really good player on defense in Devin Lloyd, lost one draft pick. That's it. They returned their head coach for, you know, almost uh, – he's entering nearly his second decade as the head coach at Utah. Returning offensive coordinator, returning defensive coordinator, returning starting quarterback – only 12 Power 5 teams in the entire country can say that they return their head coach, both coordinators, and their starting quarterback. And they're really good still at the line of scrimmage. I mean, I like Utah to win the Pac-12. I like over eight and a half wins. I have bet Utah in individual games, plus three at home against USC, and plus points against Florida in week one. I love those bets. It feels like Utah is like perennially undervalued. That even though like a handful of wise guys like Utah and seem to like them year and year out, of course, Whittingham's been there since, what, 2004, uh, maybe the most yep. underrated coach in the country <laughs> uh, during that span, considering what he's been up against. And yet every year the Utes are, yeah, they might hang around, but no one ever gets excited about Utah football, even here in Las Vegas where – uh, people tend to do that. Why do you think that program, like USC, gets the hype every year, and UCLA, and Oregon, and even Stanford, um, Utah, not so much, even though they've been the better program? Why do you think that is? Well, I think they're not real sexy. It's not like they got outstanding quarterback play or you know wide receivers that can wow you. Not a lot of skill position, uh, but where they are really good and really consistent, and, and in my opinion, not very high variant from year to year is they're just so dang good at the line of scrimmage. Defensive line, offensive line's gotten better the last couple of years. Uh, and just in the trenches, I mean, they're just better. I watch every single spring game in the Pac-12 almost every single year, and Utah just looks different. I think, you know, Stanford under Jim Harbaugh 10, 12 years ago or first couple of years under David Shaw, they were just so much more physical than anybody in the Pac-12. That's what Utah's become, basically what Stanford was 10, 12 years ago the physical team to pay attention to any other underrated teams in the markets or maybe an overrated team uh, that you've seen based on the early numbers that you've found. I bet against teams staying in the same conference. I cannot bet against Arizona state uh, enough. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, let's just say orders are open <laughs> on as selling Arizona state. I, I watched your spring game, Teddy and the players to a T every single player they interview and coaches, all the team chemistry is so good. Surprising to me, considering all the, you know, the, the, what, what's surrounding the program right now. Herm Edwards, in my opinion, this will be his final year. But, man, they said the team chemistry is the best they've had under Herm Edwards. So they, all that talk, and then what happens after spring, right before the transfer portal deadline, Teddy, I would argue four or five of Arizona State's best players transferred, hit the portal. So, to me, actions speak louder than words. 
this is a team that's being priced seven and a half season win total. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I, I think they'll be extremely fortunate to have a winning record this year. So I'm selling Arizona State. Well, let me ask you this, because a lot of times, especially in college programs, there can be addition by subtraction. You know, guys fighting for jobs, oh, they didn't get the job. You don't want them sitting on the bench complaining and bitching and moaning and spoiling team chemistry. You're better off if they take the bus out of town and go somewhere else. Is, could that be what's going on in Arizona State? Is this one of the scenarios where the bad eggs are gone and everyone that's there, hey, you know, we're, here we are. It's us against the world now. Uh, Herm Edwards is pretty good at that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's a great question. That's kind of what I got watching the spring game. They, they pretty much said, hey, you know, a lot of the bad, bad eggs are gone. But then all of a sudden, the guys that were doing the talk and talking about team chemistry, those are the guys that transferred out. And, I mean, just to put in perspective how they're bad, uh, hurting on numbers, they have four scholarship wide receivers, four on the team. I mean, some teams obviously line up with, you know, four or five wideouts at a time. Uh, Arizona State can't do five wideouts uh, unless they want to put walk-ons on the field. I mean, they have any sort of injuries. Uh, I mean, they're just decimated in a very important position. Only four scholarship wide receivers for the Sun Devils heading in to the fall. Um, let me ask you, you know, we got about, what, five minutes left here uh, with uh, Brad Powers. I want to ask you about off-season coaching hires. Now, obviously, the headlines always go to the head coaches. And if there's a head coach or two you want to emphasize as being a good hire or a bad hire, please let us know. But I'm always interested in the thought process about coordinators. Coordinators are the bread and butter in college football. The elite coordinators become head coaches, and then they stink at that job. But when they were coordinators, that offense and defense are great. Who stands out when it comes to head coaches, offense coordinators, defense coordinators as being good hire, bad hire, anything that stands out to you? Yeah, so I love this question. And for those of you listening out there, I mean, Teddy, you ask the right questions, you're going to get the right answers, at least actionable answers. And I, I'm gonna, I always try to go off the beaten path because any, anybody can talk about the coordinators at USC, LSU, where, where the, the big-name coaching hires that have been made this past offseason. I like going off the beaten path a little bit. I'm going to go to Washington State. And, and, again, I know I'm Pac-12 heavy here, but, I mean, I, I'm not sure that Pac-12 gets paid attention to enough in the marketplace for being a Power 5 conference. His name's Eric Morris. He's an offensive coordinator. He was the head coach at Incarnate Word last year. He comes over, and he's going to be the offensive coordinator. It's kind of a one-two punch for me because not only does he come over, he brings his starting quarterback, and his name's Cam Ward. And if you're looking for a guy to make an instant impact, you know, similar to what we saw from a coordinator and quarterback combination last year at Western Kentucky with Bailey Zappi, this is your example this year. Cam Ward will put up you know, Heisman caliber numbers. Washington State's not going to win enough for him to be in Heisman contention, but he will be at the top of the country in total offense, uh, or at least near it. So Cam Ward, Washington State quarterback, led by his offensive coordinator, Eric Morris, who was his head coach last year. Strong info. Anyone that we can bet against? Anyone? Any, any hires that you hated? <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I'll keep it positive. I'll give you another positive. The entire okay. staff I like at Texas Tech, that, that's not getting enough respect. 
Joey McGuire's the head coach, not a big-time name, but he's a former high school coach in the state of Texas. I love his coordinator. He took the Western Kentucky offensive coordinator. Love that. He got Tim DeRuder, a longtime defensive coordinator. And it's showing in recruiting right now, next year's recruiting class, Texas Tech's number two in the country. Are they going to finish number two? No. But to me, if you're selling that type of program to the kids in high school, you're doing something right. Now, let me ask you this, because it's like the Washington State where you have the offense coordinator bringing his quarterback. We expect, you know, uh, coming into the season that the Cougs will be an undervalued commodity this year. Do we think that for Texas Tech, or is this kind of like, hey, pay attention to this program. In 2023, 2024, you might be able to make money with the Red Raiders. This year, not so much. Or is it comparable to the Washington State situation? They have to figure out the quarterback position. They got three capable guys, but I'm not sure that they even know at this point who's going to be their starting quarterback. I really like this kid, Baron Morton's his name. I was running with the second and third team. I think he's got the highest upside. So if he ends up being the quarterback, I will be on Texas Tech early on in the season. So the Red Raiders offer early season betting potential, just like the Cougs do at Washington State. Brad Powers. Great stuff today. Why don't you give folks out there a bettable opinion that you have? Uh, that uh, the give them a uh, throw them a bone. See, <laughs> throw them a bone out there. I, I know you're giving out a bunch of bettable opinions on the show, but let's see one more to close us out. You know, I'm going to pound my fist again, and because these numbers aren't going to be available much longer, Utah over eight and a half season wins. Utah plus the points both against Florida in week one and then also against USC at home. I cannot buy Utah enough. So any one of those bets is really good on the Utah Utes. I love it. Strong info from Brad Powers. Brad, promote yourself, my friend. Where can people find you? Where can they uh, purchase your selections? Yeah, if you want any of my info, it's free on Twitter at BradPowers7 is the Twitter handle. And then you can check out my website, BradPowersSports.com. Great stuff. Brad, we still have one minute left. I don't want to ask you, uh, like, as quick as you can, if you can answer, what does the off-season betting marketplace get right and wrong about college football? Anything stand out to you in that regards? I don't think, Teddy, they don't get much right at all. I'll have over 200 bets before the season even kicks off, so they don't get hardly anything right, in my opinion. So what do they get wrong? I mean, I'll tell you what they're getting wrong here recently. I mean, they just can't keep up with the roster turnover. With the transfer portal, they can't keep up with coaching turnover. Over half the programs are replacing offensive and defensive coordinators every single year or head coaches. So they cannot keep up with roster the turnover right now in college football. Sure, the transfer portal. And, you know, I have a hard time keeping up with it. And I do this full time. So I'm not surprised that many of the pundits have gotten that wrong. Great stuff from Brad Powers today. Really appreciate your time. And again, if you're looking for early season football discussion, you've come to the right place because it's May and we're breaking it down for real right here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. Stay tuned. Show close. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. 
And listen, if you missed any portion of today's show, what a great discussion with Brad Powers today. Talking NFL and college football in May. Bets you can and should be making right now. If you missed it, any portion of the show, go back and check out the podcast version. You can download and consume at your convenience. Not only can you find today's show or yesterday's show, you can find every show I've ever done. Go back and make fun of a bad Super Bowl prediction I made two years ago. Whatever you want. But wherever you download your podcast, all the major podcast outlets, I think all the minor podcast outlets, it feels like, cover it with Teddy Covers. Download and consume at your convenience. We talked a couple of times on today's show, and on yesterday's show a little bit, about how much a half a win is worth in the betting marketplace when it comes to season win totals. And in the NFL, the formula is fairly clear. In the middle, a half a win is worth approximately 50 cents. When you get to the margins, think of it as a bell curve. If you know what a bell curve is, Google it, because I can't describe it on air. <laughs> but uh, you know, where the majority of the results come in the middle and they're outliers to the high side and to the low side. In the middle, an NFL season win is worth approximately 50 cents. On the outliers, teams that are aligned four and a half, five, five and a half, or teams that are aligned ten and a half, eleven, eleven and a half, those are worth more than fifty cents, sixty cents, seventy cents, maybe eighty cents, because there's less leeway. In college football, it's comparable in the middle. All right, you're talking about teams lined in the you know six, seven, eight win range, even the nine win range. Half a win still worth about fifty cents. But when you get to the margins in college football, where teams play twelve games. You see Alabama lined at 10.5 versus Alabama lined at 11? The difference between the two can be worth a dollar or more in juice. So not the same formula in college football. Every half win matters even more. And that's going to wrap it for this week on Cover It with Teddy Covers. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to hang out with me and my guests. We'll do it again next week. Two shows every week, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Between now and then, enjoy the games. And good luck.